seconds because I'm going to open all the emails in a window where I can see them. Oh my fucking god. <laughs> ah. One, two, three, four. Do I have them all? One, two, three, four. Okay, yeah, There's we're good. five. There's five. There's five. Um, hello. Um, hi, everybody, and welcome to Aeroplane episode 20? I did 20? not pull that part up. Let me, let no. me get rid of this crate dragon <laughs> tab, and I'll turn it into an airplane tab. This is 20! 20! Yo! <laughs> now time to pull up any um, information about this movie, so I'm going to vamp while I do that. I am Autumn, and I'm joined by uh, my regular co-host, M. Yeah, we're here. We're doing it. This is, the, this is the podcast that we do whenever we remember that we have to do it. <laughs> We so it started bi-weekly and then it changed to every three weeks because two weeks was too much. And now it's kind of monthly because every time the third week shows up, one of us is like, I'm really depressed. Can we push it? Yeah. Yeah. I was like uh, last week I was like, I'm too busy. What if we just punch it a week? And this week I'm even busier, so I really fucked that one up. <sighs> We're here to talk about um from up on Poppy Hill. Uh yeah. is Released in 2011, it was directed by Goro Miyazaki, written by Hayao Miyazaki and uh, Keiko Niwa, um, based on a manga of the same language uh, of the same name that has never been translated. <laughs> a manga I mean, of the same language. <laughs> I mean, I guess it is. <laughs> um, do we have any preamble, or should we just get into it? Uh, no, we might as well get into it. I, I will say this is the last Ghibli movie I've seen uh, before recording a podcast about it. Um, do you want to summarize or do you want me to summarize? I can do this. Uh, okay. okay. So it is uh, 1963 and we are in Yokohama and it is a story about uh, two kids. Uh, there is a girl named Umi and a guy named, uh, what's this guy's name? Uh, Shun. And they like each other. It's very sweet. And they're just kind of hanging out in 60s Japan and being teens and, you know, f- flirting or whatever. The awkward way in which kids interact. Um, yeah. And it's good. And they they start this whole, like, young budding romance. It's very sweet. Um, and then uh, Umi shows Shun a picture of her father who's died. Um, and it turns out that Shun has the same picture of his father who's died. <laughs> And halfway in this movie, uh, he, he turns around, he's like, shit, I think we're, I think we're, I think we're brother and sister. She's like, no, no. <laughs> that sucks. Uh, and it's literally at the 45 minute mark. Yeah. Like it could not be more in the middle. Like if they tried. And so they try to figure out what the fuck they're going to do about this because they're like, we got all this weird attraction and now we can't do anything about it because that's weird. And it's not that kind of anime. Uh, it's 63, not 2003. So uh, <laughs> they just kind of meander about like being friends and they're talking about they're like, they're just like very supportive. It's actually pretty sweet as they're like, you know, we're just going to be friends until one of us goes off to college or we both go off to college. And it's, it's nice that we were able to become friends and realize that we were related and we didn't know. Um, because of the war. Oh, we'll get to that. Um, and mm. in all of their investigations, trying to like talk about it, the, the idea is floated that, uh, maybe that's not actually the case and they are not siblings. And because there's three men in the picture, two of them are dead 
and they're like maybe it was the 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 one of the the other guy who was dead and they look they ask around and it's hard because everyone's off doing something because japan's in the middle of reconstruction so every parent is at university or at a job or in the, like off doing like military stuff uh running a boat um and so tracking people down is very difficult and uh one the uh who is it um umi's mom comes home and it's like yeah we picked up this kid i could i was already pregnant um we couldn't take care of it we gave it away uh but shun's like well we need confirmation from someone else like you know that that's a that's a very convenient uh, explanation from your mom but i need third party records someone someone else <laughs> needs to say that before we act on anything and uh throughout the movie there's a subplot as they met umi met because shun is doing a big stunt to rescue like the dorm everyone lives in which is this huge mm-hmm. rundown old mansion that's like a giant piece of shit because like 800 boys live in it and they're all messy and boys um and all the girls decide they're going to come and help clean it up and make it presentable so they don't tear it down. And they do that and everyone's friends. And then the, the like, you know, guy who runs the school shows up and is like, ah, oh, this is the spirit of youth that everyone sings a song and everyone's great. Whatever. Um, yeah. But in, in the minute of that, that that's happening, they are pulled away because the third guy in the picture who's still alive is is ships in port and they got 45 minutes to get to him. And they do because it's not a movie with a lot of conflict. He's like, yeah, no, uh. <laughs> You know, you're you're this character's daughter, and you're this character's son, and I liked them both. They were good friends, and I'm glad that the spirit of our uh, friendship lives on in the both of you. And then he goes away, and they're like, oh, I guess we're not related. Score. And uh, then they <laughs> head back to uh, Yokohama on a boat, and that's the end. We never find out if they hook up. Maybe they're like, it's still too weird. We don't know. Because, you know, the movie's good. <laughs> the end. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like if it dwelled on it much past that, like, I, I just don't need whatever happens next. Like, I don't know. They're both about to go to college. It's probably going to go bad in a very normal teen way, you mm-hmm. know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, this movie's really good. Yeah. Um, uh, I got really worried for a minute there. Um, Like, really worried. And then about, like, 15 minutes after um the big plot twist of them maybe being uh brother and sister, I was like, Oh, you know what? The mom hasn't showed up the whole time. I bet the mom's going to show up and have a reason that, like, they're not actually brother and sister. And then that happens, and it's fine. The movie just pulls, sticks to the landing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, because I, I was like, I, I remember I remember the stuff about the dorm. I'm like, I don't remember what this movie's about. And I put it on about ten minutes in. I realized I knew exactly what this movie was about. It rose up unbidden from my memory, and I had a big laugh. And you messaged me about half an hour later because we were watching this kind of at the same time, going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) I was distraught because so the first 45 minutes of this movie were me kind of realizing it's like, you know, if I really think about my taste and the things that I like, my favorite Ghibli movies have been the romance ones. And like, um, I usually watch like a lot of like actiony like anime and like read a lot of actiony manga but maybe i need to be reading a lot of like romance stuff because that's what i actually like um and i was like just thinking about this pondering how sweet this movie is and then that happened and i was like oh my god they blew it up yeah <laughs> they ruined the movie and then they didn't ruin the movie but uh i think that that's what i think the emotional roller coaster that i went on is like exactly what the movie wants you to do like i it feels all pretty intentional about that um yeah. maybe if you know anime tropes better than i do you're not going to be so blindsided like i was but yeah i um i mean there's only like it's only because we exist in the world where like Crunchyroll co-funded Citrus, which I don't, I've never, I haven't seen, but I famously know of it as the anime about the two girls who are like step siblings. I don't know. Seems like mm-hmm. a crime, uh, but, but the, it's like a romance between them. I don't like, there's a lot of weird sibling romance shit in anime in like the tropey sections that you hear about, but don't explore because we're not dirt bags. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it, felt unreal to me that that could come to ghibli because i feel like ghibli is so much like the anime that like has to get exported and so they wouldn't do this just because it's like this would not play to an american audience that it kind of has to play for in a way that other anime doesn't Mm. um uh but yeah this movie like just kind of made me realize like uh, like the stuff that i have actually liked the best about um this little journey we've been on, which is only yesterday in Whisper of the Heart, um, like the 
probably my two favorite movies that we've done. Um, and like, oh, I should just like pursue this after this project is like, I should just like, like just read a bunch of romance manga. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that's really neat about this movie is like, I think it does a lot with the time period it's set in. Like, it doesn't feel like window dressing. Like, I feel like that's yeah. a, like textures the movie in a really good way. It was in- it's interesting because the first like first like 20 minutes, because I didn't remember a lot of like the plot about what happened or their parents and stuff. I was like, this is like a real boomer anime, huh? You didn't have to make it yeah. like this. Uh, but here it is. We're just like, like, this is literally the era Miyazaki grew up in, right? Like, uh-huh. <laughs> and so it's really pointedly like that. I'm like, yeah, I guess they need to make anime for old people too. And it's going to be about your youth because you can't make an anime not about a teens or you'll go to jail. That's the rules. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, but in, in being set where it's set, it's it, partially it's about like, the Olympics are coming. There's a lot of signage about the Olympics and the Olympics in 1964 Olympics specifically was about Japan entering the world stage as part of like, you know, post-World War II reconstruction project, right? Like they're a mm-hmm. modern nation that is overseen by the U S and they're going to come on and be cool. Um, and this movie is about two characters uh, among a lot of characters who like, you know, their whole families were destroyed when they were children by the war, right? Like, and it's not even fighting the war. Like, you know, there's, you could argue, and I think that's a fair point. They're both of their, both of their parents being like soldiers, but not real soldiers fighting in the real World War II is like a coward's move in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, for sure. But it is interesting to point at stuff like, uh, Shun's father died in a repatriation vessel, which is like when the war was over, uh, like, you know, there's a bunch of, Japanese soldiers in other places and they all had to bring them back to Japan and there was mm-hmm. no Japanese military. So the allied powers, you know, took the Japan's merchant Marines and got everyone home. Like they just drafted them on, made them ship everybody back home. And he died in one of those vessels. And then Umi's father was killed uh, because during the Korean war, uh, they're like, we need ships. Japan's got ships. We're going to draft you into our war because you're basically owned by us. <laughs> Um, right <laughs> and japanese soldiers or you know japanese sailors I, I guess i don't even know if they're soldiers necessarily died shipping supplies to the u.s troops in korea <laughs> a war that japan right. was not involved in japan has no standing military is like part of the being japan um and so that mm. stuff is like simmering on the back burner of this movie and it would definitely not be lost on japanese audiences but because it's ghibli it's not about any of that in a way that i'm like kind of frustrated by because i think that stuff would be more interesting if it was more pointedly about this is a generation where it's very easy to meet someone at school who's your sibling and you never fucking know. Yeah, that's something that um, that the mom says when she, like, tells everything that happened. Like, oh, yeah, people were just taking in, like, orphans yeah. all the time because that's just, like, what the the yeah. nature and, of things was back and then. And we've, like, seen that when we watched Grave of the Fireflies, right? Like, Grave of the Fireflies mm-hmm. is, like, a movie about, like, the kids left because the house was too crowded because that lady kept taking in too many goddamn kids. Right. Um, and, like, there's, like, two things that I, like, thought about, which was, one, like, oh, all this is really neat, because it's just not, um, you know, being a person in 2020 who watches some anime, I, like, Tokyo, to me, is, um, like, this almost futuristic city, but in, like, you know, our present day, and then, like, when they go to Tokyo in this movie, it's, like, brick roads and like um it's just not the tokyo that like i recognize from like anime like oh right like this is a real place with a real history (laughs) yeah there's two tokyos there's like the aesthetic tokyo of modernity and then there's the period piece tokyo where everything looks like ancient japan right like yes (laughs) pre everything burning down (laughs) yes and um yeah like this movie is like this movie one like just helps to like remind me as an anime fan that like oh yeah this is like a place with a real history and like lots of stuff that i don't know about like i didn't know about like um uh these like merchant marine vessels that were like doing um supply runs in the korean war and the other thing is that it's like 
wildly conservative because the movie is all about how we need to give the next generation to the kids, but the the, ge- the generation of kids that they're giving everything over to is, like, boomers, like literal boomers. Yeah. And also, <laughs> the, the thing that the kids need to learn to do is, like, act right and live in a society and clean up their fucking dorm and then sing traditional songs at the, the old man who walks in. And everyone can be nostalgic yes. together for an old Japan, right? Like, it's so, it's so the movie you write when you're in your fucking 60s. <laughs> <laughs> the movie is not about, hey, it really sucks that this 60-year-old guy just gets to show up and decide whether we get to have our cool uh, clubhouse or not. The movie is not about that. The movie is like, we need to really make sure that like we are honoring the 60-year-old guy who shows up and gets to decide what we have to do. Yeah. You know? And it's weird because like, the movie starts with like a student newspaper that's agitating against the administration, and all that immediately just goes away. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The movie is so powerfully gendered. Um, the the opening sequence was like really touching. I thought of just like you see. Um, uh, I've totally forgotten her name. Umi. <laughs> Umi. You see Umi going about the like um, daily routine of like because her mother's away and her father. Um, I mean, her father would be sailing, but he's dead. Um, she has to do so much work and they've taken in like borders in their like home and so she has to like do all this work every single day and then i was like really taken aback when she still has to go to school you know like it's like wow she's really doing a lot but like the movie is just gendered in such a way that like oh yeah that's just the thing that women do (laughs) you know because at some point um all the rowdy boys that all wear the same uh um all the way the same outfits have to get corralled by um, all the women into like cleaning and the men do help, but like it is the women that initiate the cleaning and it is the cleaning that saves the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's interesting. Cause like uh, Umi's mom's a, a doctor, like a, like a, she's works in medicine. Somehow. She's a doctor, or whatever she's studying in the United States, but then they have a doctor in training in the board, like board house, like a woman who's working to be a doctor is living there. Um, mm-hmm. And the way in which like, the house is not, is like really specifically like first generation upwardly mobile Japanese women professionals is like interesting. Um, mm-hmm. again, the movie's not about any of that, but like the woman that they're like boarding is like who Umi wants to go be, right? Like she's going to be responsible and do her job and be do on school and go out and go to university and like make something of herself in a way that was like not possible for the generation before her who are in the middle of a war. Right. Well, it's so funny. Like, that woman, like, those types of women end up becoming the sister from Only Yesterday that yeah. the protagonist of Only Yesterday is running away from. Yes. <laughs> it's, a very, it's very much like a snake eating its own tail thing. Mm-hmm. Um, um, there's a lot of... So we have complained a, a lot in these... Uh, uh, recent episodes i think about joe hisaishi and mm. how samey all his music is oh it's so nice that Mus- we didn't have a fucking joe hisaishi soundtrack this movie <laughs> i thought of it because so there's happy. like three i think really cute um like segments where all the kids sing a song in unison um yes. and like one those segments are really cute and two oh my god they <laughs> Whoever composed this, uh, Satoshi Takebe, so much better than Joe Hisaishi, at least in 2011 when this movie came out. Like, obviously, Joe Hisaishi used to be very, very good at what he did, but he's just coasted. (laughs) It's also really important, like, in part of the weird conservatism and, like, myth-making about mid-century Japan, this this movie uses uh, Ueo Muete Aruko, which is a very famous 1961 song, um that in in English is often uh titled sukiyaki uh that was by Q Sakamoto that was like the first Japanese like international pop sensation song like it, hmm. it blew up in America and they chose it because this is a song that people in like boomers in America who are going to watch the Ghibli movie are going to remember this song from the 60s <laughs> and it's the only Japanese song that that's true of because it's the only one that you know blew up anywhere outside of Japan really uh from this era uh, which I think is like an interesting way, because like 
it's really weird the way Ghibli's been positioned in the, these most recent movies, like post Spirited Away. I guess maybe Mononoke, but I think Spirited Away is really the one where like they're making movies for an international audience and still navigating trying to keep like a specific identity. The last couple of movies we've we've done have all been based on books from like Europe, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, and going back to like a manga, doing an adaptation that's d- deliberately, explicitly very like pointed at what it's about about japan specifically is really interesting as like a choice and a pivot for the studio uh also mm. happens to be one of the better movies <laughs> in a while i mean ponyo is <laughs> really good but ponyo could be from anywhere and about anything it's like a kid's movie it's based on like a fairy tale but it's not you know it's not that yeah great, you know it's not it's not howl's moving castle right it's not the borrowers right well, and the next the next two movies are The Wind Rises and mm. um, The Tale of Princess Kaguya, which I think Kaguya are... is next first, isn't it? I'm pretty sure Kaguya's first. Uh, Wind Rises is next, and then Kaguya. Are you um, sure? Uh, let I'm me look. Check. I'm going to double check. Don't worry. Uh, Wind Rises, I'm... you're right. No, uh, fuck me. I didn't know. I, <laughs> I haven't seen any of these movies. Which, like, um, I haven't seen them either, but, like, at the very least, The Wind Rises is going to be more, like, myth-making about, like, specifically, like, during the war, Japan. Um, And, like, yeah, there's, like, a conservatism that has always been present in these movies, but is, like, becoming, like, the focal point in some way. Um, Yep. uh, Yeah, that's all I have to say about that, I guess. Uh, Also, it's it's interesting, because, like, this is a Goro film. We talked about Goro a lot mm-hmm. when we did uh, Tales from the Sea. Bad movie. Not really mm-hmm. his fault. This movie is much more pleasant. Obviously, we enjoyed it a lot. Um, but also, when I when I look at this movie, I'm like, this is like the the like sixth movie in a row that has, like, outside of, specifically outside of uh, Ponyo, which is going for something very deliberate on purpose. This has, mm-hmm. like, the modern Ghibli house style in a way that, like... Yes is nice they make a they make a pretty movie the characters are very expressive i like how grounded they are and but are able to show a whole range of emotions um in a way that like modern anime like if you look at like your name no one's emoting in the way they do in a ghibli movie right like it's just not mm-hmm. possible but um also all these movies look the fucking same <laughs> and when we're watching them like one after another it's like man just this it's unique among its peers but also they haven't changed anything in two decades at this point no no one of the things that um was just a revelation about watching the takahata movies was the takahata movies look different yeah i'm really Um, excited for kaguya because i know that looks a lot different yeah yeah i did not know because that was like that was a movie that was up for um one or two Oscars and like mm-hmm. I saw trailers for it and I didn't know it was a Ghibli movie until we started doing this project, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the like Takahata has a slightly different style and it just turns out that because, um, Hayao Miyazaki was tremendously famous, that just gets what he, his style just gets adopted as yes. the style that all other Ghibli movies have to follow. I mean, other than like the cat returns looks different because it's a very cheap movie. Yeah. Not only, not only is, is he, like, the head, he is also, like, a notorious micromanager, right? Like, the movie that yes. he's making right now, he's sitting down and doing storyboards of. That's why it's taken four years and it's going to take another three, because he's drawing it all himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, The Wind Rises was notorious for, like, uh, Miyazaki is, like, going in and, like, drawing all these fucking planes himself, which he does not need to be doing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, he sounds like a weirdo nightmare person, but yeah, I'm very glad that like Goro got to make another movie and it's not bad because they just like let him like, they just didn't foist upon him a doomed project and then blame yeah. him for it. <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, um, that, uh, that most, uh, that trailer for that most recent movie came out since we last recorded, didn't it? Yeah, I said I was going to watch it because you mentioned it to me the other day, and then I never did watch it. So, Well, you know what you're going to do right now? You're going to pull up Irrig and the Witch trailer Sounds and watch good. it. Sounds good. Um, Irrig and the Witch. Uh, I was making an Anime Planet account yesterday, um, and this was a this was on there. You, I could list it as want to watch if I wanted to. Yeah. Okay, I've got it up. Uh, should I hit play? Like, Are we going to watch this together? Or? No, I've seen it. All right, I'm going to hit play. Yeah, I just want reactions. Now. This looks good. 
I like the 3D. Yeah, um, it's interesting because like, it, it doesn't look like a movie they spent a lot of money on, right? Like, this being a television no. movie makes sense. I'm like, yeah, this is cheap. Uh, mm -hmm. But it looks like the, the Ghibli style in a way that I think like works. I think the girl's yeah. hair is cute. I think, like, this is clearly a first attempt, but they didn't bite off a... You know, they're not going to sink the studio if this movie doesn't do well. Yeah, I think it's smart for them to do a um, kind of cheaper movie as their first foray into 3D, because I imagine that there will be more 3D Ghibli movies. Yeah. Um, but I just noticed, like, 45 seconds into this trailer that there's no subtitles on this version of the trailer that I've clicked, so I don't know what's happening. I'm just it's getting fine. the visuals. <laughs> It's fine. Um, seems cute, though. Yeah. Reminds me of a movie I would watch on Cartoon Network in the 2000s. That's fair, yeah. Reminds me of um, that 3D animated movie about that witch. Or Monster House. <laughs> okay, I've never seen Monster House, so... Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, new, new, new Ghibli coming. We will... Because uh, that, that airs in Japan on the 30th, so we will be covering that when we get there. Oh, that's soon. Yeah. Wow. Um, I assume because it's Ghibli, it will be like, there will be at least a subtitle track for it the day it comes out in English. That, I would not, that would not surprise me. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, that'll you know, we'll go by availability of a, of a subtrack, but uh, yeah. we, I intend to cover it, so we'll get there. I, I'm very curious I'm about sure, it. I'm sure in like two or three months, whenever we finish this project, there will finally be, there will be a subtrack up for it, so. Yeah. This, uh, this is not, uh, Hayao Miyazaki has fucking nothing to do with it, so I'm really excited. <laughs> God bless. Yeah. Um... The twenty, uh, the the other movie that he was talking about doing is tied to the twenty twenty Olympics still, or is that not what? Is that not the case? Because the Hayao Miyazaki movie, he was wanting to like put it out to coincide with oh, the twenty twenty Olympics. Yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> oh right, <laughs> I just realized that's not going to happen. I mean, the Olympics are the Olympics it. are happening next year, but they've said specifically that they're expecting this movie to come out in twenty twenty three. So okay, I didn't. <laughs> don't laugh. Uh, at me, in Nora. in May there was that update where they were like, 36 minutes of the movie are done. We've been working for three years. Right, you know, we expect right. it's going to take another three years because now we're going at full steam. We got the idea. We're doing it. Right. So um. So yeah, um, yeah. Did not think for one second about how the 2020 Olympics didn't happen. That's that's happening next year. Don't you worry. We will get the Olympics. Uh, let's hope everyone gets vaccinated before that happens. It's going to be a fucking shit show. Um, questions? Yeah, if you want to send questions, you see them in the podcast at neuralmapping.com. We have five emails. Thank you, everyone who wrote in. Um, first one is from Anthony. If you could swap Miyazaki and Takahata as directors on a pair of movies, which two would you pick? Of course, I just closed the uh, tab that I had all the Ghibli movies open on. Um, so the question for me is, like, which Miyazaki movie do I want to, like, improve or change radically? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, also, Miyazaki definitely has to do Grave of the Fireflies. I want to see how he fucks that up. <laughs> That's literally what I was going to say. It's like, Grave of the Fireflies is like the one of the Takahata movies that I'm okay with like losing, you yeah. know? Um, like, I just don't think that Miyazaki would have any interest in doing um, Yamada's. Um, <laughs> no, I don't. He would turn it into like the most boring movie on earth. It's just like this like staid melodrama about this family terrible yes Awful yes movie. no it would be a melodrama you're 100 right <laughs> um i mean i uh, mm, I, I might takahata, put go ahead i might give takahata totoro okay i was gonna say i'm gonna give takahata uh laputa yeah okay i think that works too my other thought was howl's moving castle because um 
we haven't seen Takahata do like magic in yeah. a way that like um I mean yeah yeah that's how that's how I ended up in Lapita also so Right, but I just think that Takahata's um, talents are best suited to Totoro, and also the idea of Totoro, Grave of the Fireflies, double feature, still happening, but in a wildly different direction. Oh my god, (laughs) nightmare. Um... Uh, Diogo asks, Hey, you two, how's it going? Want to know what you think about the weird way the movie romanticizes Japan's participation during the American intervention in Korea? For me, it created such a weird dissonance, not only with previous Ghibli films, uh, Grave of the Fireflies being the obvious example, but also with the politics of the movie's own plot. Maybe it's a generational thing between uh, Goro, Hayao, uh, Hayao, and Takahata. Nonetheless, it's kind of depressing watching this movie in the the context of Japan's national politics of the last 20 years. I feel like we've talked about that a lot. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a weird friction. Cause like, I think it's, imp- I think like Japanese narratives about like the weird ways in which Japan post-war has been used by America are like important. Like this is the, the Shin Godzilla thing. Like Shin Godzilla is like, ba- mm-hmm. it's like basically like a nationalist hoorah text, but also it makes sense why Japan needs those in the, in like, you know, in the context of America has literally built that entire country and still controls it in large portions. And also the movie loses its way about understanding what that means when the, the lady's like, I'm going to become uh, U S president and you'll be prime minister of Japan. And we'll be husband and wife fighting off the monsters together. Have I, t- have I told you about my experience watching um, Shin Godzilla? No, which was just that like, it was like, the worst fucking I was having the worst fucking day I was supposed to like go out of town on a trip and like my car was having problems and um like the hotel like the Airbnb that we were supposed to go to like canceled on us and there was all this weird shit happening and so I ended up not leaving town and just staying there that night staying at home that night uh, and just getting super fucking high, accidentally renting um, the dub of Shin Godzilla instead of the sub. Oh my god! Which... <laughs> and like, did I hear Nora laughing to... in the background? <laughs> and I was trying to parse the bizarre nationalism of that movie, but was way too high to do it. But I was definitely picking up on like, oh, there's something happening here. Like, Anno's going for something. I can't figure it out yeah. at all. <laughs> it's weird. It's really, it's really easy. I like look. I don't know. I I'm put. I'm gonna I'm gonna say a thing, and if you disagree, that's fine. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. listeners, autumn, whatever. It's really easy living in America to like just think all nationalism is bad, but that just can't be true for countries that are not on the same footing as the United States, right? Like you, like people rally around a national identity in opposition to the country that has all the money and ruins everyone's lives, right? Right. Um, and so I'm always a little. I, I'm always like. I don't automatically want to say it's bad that there's nationalism in like Shin Godzilla or this movie. It's the ways in which that it gets expressed, uh, like through Miyazaki's general man yelling at the kids conservatism or Shin Godzilla's weird, like, ah, it's okay if the American president is a Japanese American woman. <laughs> Actually, that's fine. <laughs> God, I like Shin Godzilla, but it's a baffling fucking movie. <laughs> But also, it owns every time decisive battle kicks in. So yeah, who's yeah, to say? Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, we've got questions from uh, Tron here. Um, were either of you involved in uh, clubs or newspapers when you went to school? I so uh, in, in my school, I'll go. I'll go quickly. In my school, yeah. the newspaper was a bunch of fucking nerds. Nobody liked them. <laughs> uh, it was. It was the. It was the class where because. For some reason, my school was very, like, everyone was in three activities and was very serious about it. And everyone's, like, you know, going to a good school. It was it was a high-performance school. Everyone was a type A asshole, um, mm-hmm. myself included. Uh, and so if you were serious, you were in you were in debate or forensics. And so the newspaper got all of the, like, scrub kids who needed to be in a club but didn't have the fortitude for, like, the ones where you had to do stuff. <laughs> so... For me, um, I was in the newspaper and it was like the teacher who ran it was like a fucking weirdo and just like super micromanaging. Um, it's like super uptight about everything, super strict about everything. Um, and something that did not matter because it was the school newspaper Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I did it for two years and then, um, 
was not involved for my senior year of high school. Um, and like for my senior year of high school, I was still friends with a lot of people in the newspaper. And basically every day was them complaining about like, oh my God, Mr. Russell did this, this and that. And I was like, you could quit. I quit. You could just quit. (laughs) And also one time I tried to say hello to them, say hello to him in the hallway. And he uh, ignored me because I had quit and he wasn't going to speak to me anymore, which is like, just weird so that's my high school I, um, story unsurprisingly <laughs> i maybe i don't know uh i i did debate i lettered in debate in our school debate and forensics was very separate i know that's not true of every high school but the forensics kids were all like weird arty jerks and all the uh debate kids <laughs> were like fucking chain smoking and watching the west wing i wasn't doing either of those things i'm just saying it's the type of personality <laughs> uh i did i did math olympiads and lettered in debate and i feel like i didn't understand what i was doing in debate until years after i left school <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I was pretty good at it. I don't know. Uh, we did Paul. Pol- if you know debate, we did policy. Uh, I, w- I was not a Lincoln Douglas person. Um, <laughs> not knowing anything about debate when I hear the words Lincoln Douglas, it, I feel like I'm losing my mind. <laughs> it's fine. Anyone who knows knows. And they're like, yeah, of course, Adam was a fucking policy person. Um, it's true. <laughs> I don't know if they still do debate that way in high school. I hope they do. It seemed, it was miserable. It was a bad time. I didn't, I enjoyed debate because I liked the teacher. It's a bad sport. Sport in mm-hmm. heavy quotes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Um, did either of you ever go to a big city for a momentous occasion when you were growing up? I, we never really traveled. My family was, my dad had done a bunch of traveling in the military and was old and didn't want to. Um, mm-hmm. And so like. I've taken maybe like three trips in my life and none of them were to like big play, like touristy places. I mean, I grew up in a suburb of Kansas city and like going to Kansas city was not that big of a deal because you would just drive for 20 minutes and suddenly the suburb became the city, you Mm -hmm. know, like, um, the only, like the going to the big city I can think of is that I had an uncle who lived in New York. And so every year or two we would go out and visit him. But Mm -hmm. like, that's about it. It wasn't like I can't think of anything. Oh, I guess I guess in fifth grade we went to Jefferson City, which is the capital of Missouri, to like see how government worked or something. That's the only thing I can think of. Okay. Um, yeah, that's fair. Um, have either of you interacted with any of your school principals? My school had like five principals because they were like 2000 students there. And so they need a lot of administrators. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. There were 2000 students in my high school. There were three high schools in my town. How is this? Um, What what weird baby boom city did you live in? (laughs) So Lee Summit um, was a suburb of Kansas City that like um, basically like around the time no maybe like 10 years before i was born basically everybody decided like all the like professional type people decided they didn't want to live in kansas city anymore they all wanted to like get out of kansas city and lee summit basically like had the best like zoning and tax laws for those types of people you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) like um and dumped like just a shit ton of money into the schools like just a shit ton of money um like, I don't know. We I had I, I had two thousand students at my school. We had five principals, which meant that I saw all the like at least one of the principals like all the time because you would just like pass someone in the hallway and you'd be like, "Hey, Falkenberry," because that was his name. <laughs> he knew most of the people there. It felt like so. This is this is why when I moved to Lawrence, Kansas, which is a town of like. 50,000 people, I was like, oh, this is my home now, because fuck Lee Summit. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah. My school had one principal, but I don't... I, I, I'm i sure I talked to him once or twice, but I have no memory of it, so... Mm. That's it. Oh, we, um, have, we have two more questions. We have two more emails. We have two more emails. <laughs> uh, okay, let me... Okay. Uh, Adam writes in, uh, besides uh, Miyazaki and Takata, there have only been a couple people who have directed more than one film for Studio Ghibli. How do you all feel about Goro Miyazaki being one of those people, despite his first film being considered one of the worst in Ghibli's catalog? Are you glad he's given a chance to redeem himself by directing a better movie? No, free him. Let him go live his life. Be a landscaper or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like... 
I don't know. If Goro is enjoying directing movies, I, I'm glad for him, but it really seems like... It seems like they had made a lot of plans for um, other people to be to take over the direction of the studio, and all of them have fallen through either because of like tragic uh, deaths or like there's that guy who directed the Digimon movie that they just totally alienated. <laughs> or who am I thinking of? Oh, uh, Hosoda. Hosoda, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the the guy who was supposed to direct Howl's Moving Castle, like they yeah. just totally alienated him by ba- by being micromanaging weirdos. So yeah. like. I guess Hosoda would be my person that I would want to get a second chance. I want Goro to be happy. <laughs> uh, the other, uh, w- There's a question here about ranking. We're not ranking anything. We're nearing the end of this podcast adventure, mm-hmm. you know, in the next couple months. We will give you a full ranking when we're done. Promise. Uh, but mm-hmm. the important question, what director, what director does not deserve a second or third chance to make another movie? Who do you think just <laughs> has to quit making movies entirely? <laughs> so I've only seen Clerks, but I feel like Kevin Smith is a strong answer here. Um, the thing is, Kevin Smith movies nobody cares anymore. Like, you know, yeah. what was what was his last movie? I don't know the name. Uh, I assume people saw it, but I sure didn't. Uh, Tusk is the last one right. I remember coming out. Yep, yep. Um, um, I mean, my my answer here is the Russo brothers. You need to fire them into the sun. They shouldn't be allowed to speak, uh, much less make films. Uh, I don't really like any Tarantino movie as much as I like Reservoir Dogs. There are okay ones after what that. There are good ones after that. But like, wrong with you? <laughs> Jackie Brown's good. Jackie what if he Brown only directed good. Reservoir Dogs, Jackie Brown, and then fell off the face of the earth? We can get rid of Pulp Fiction if we want. <laughs> I mean, I, I'd miss a, I'd miss a couple more movies, but yes, fair enough. I will take it. Um, yeah. I mean, um, my answer is just everyone caught in the big Disney superhero bit. Like, Russo's got to yeah. go. Uh, Lord and Miller, they got to fucking go. Those guys fucking suck. Lord and Miller got to go. Who, everyone associated with Game of Thrones, get him out of here. Uh, just bad. Just bad. J.J. Abrams, get him out of here. He hasn't been good ever. He hasn't made a single good movie his entire fucking life. <gasps> okay, I got to look at, like, what movies has J.J. Abrams done? Star Wars, Star Trek, uh, Super 8. What else? Rise of Skywalker. Mission Impossible 3. <laughs> Bad movie. Yeah, okay. It sounds like uh, he's never done a good movie. Cloverfield sucks. Uh, Cloverfield is maybe his best film is the fuck up thing. 10 Cloverfield Lane is a good movie. That's a different director. That has nothing to do with it. I know. I know. That's... <laughs> um. Yeah, get J.B.J. Abrams out of here. Um, then we've got one more email from Stove. Uh, Stove says, this is a, maybe my favorite Studio Ghibli movie. Glad to see Goro bounce back from Tales of Mercy. Yeah, really. Why did he kill his father? Mm-hmm. Someone write in and tell me, no, ask, <laughs> tell me why he killed his father. <laughs> I'm still I thought wondering. you were talking about Goro for a second. I thought you said, oh, no, why hasn't he like killed Goro his Miyazaki father? Kill Miyazaki, <laughs> and I support him in his quest to do so. <laughs> <laughs> Um, some questions. You haven't seen Twin Peaks, right? I'm not going to ask this question. Yes, I've oh. seen Twin Peaks. What? <laughs> I can't keep track. I can't keep track in my head which of my friends has and hasn't seen Twin Peaks. So I'm sorry. Because either you're a person who posts about Twin Peaks too much, or I just assume you haven't seen it. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm i tired of people who post about Twin Peaks too much, so I've stopped posting yes. about yeah, it. Yeah, that's, that's where I'm yeah. at, too. Um, okay, so who's cooler, Shun or James Hurley? It's definitely James Hurley. James Hurley. James has always been cool. James has always been cool. <laughs> James um, has always been cool. In Ebert's review for this movie, one of his criticisms is that the movie lacked complex and baroque characters. Do you feel this movie was affected by not having these types of characters? Nah, it's a teenage melodrama yeah. in the sixties. Yeah. Um I mean, I like Ebert, but um he had his taste, and I don't think his taste was like tropey um anime movies. Especially in like, twenty eleven. Twenty eleven Ebert has no time for this nonsense. Yeah, he's like, he's he's been forced to watch multiple Ghibli movies, and I'm sure he's sick of them. He's like, every one of these is the goddamn same. Why am I watching this? <laughs> like he was probably he probably really got into Spirited Away and one of the other one of the other ones, and kind of thought that that's what they were always going to do. Yes. And like, no, like yep. no, uh, it's just a good tropey movie. I don't think it needs complex and baroque characters. No, um, I don't want I don't want. Uh, 
Miyazaki writing a movie with complex and Baroque characters. I don't think he'd be suited for it. I think it'd be a bad time. Uh, Takahata can do what he wants. He's got his personal freedom. In fact, he did that multiple times. They're good movies. Uh, watching this and Akira recently, both used Japan hosting the Olympics as an element in their stories, share- showing how people are negatively affected by that decision. Can you think of any other stories that use the Olympics in this way? I couldn't think of any answers to this. I don't... No. Um... I feel like I feel like there was a lot of conversation about how Brazil was affected by the Olympics, but I haven't. I can't think of like <laughs> I. You know what? I thought of I thought of the uh, I thought of the movie. I thought of Munich. Okay. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I'm deleting the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, can, can I think of a movie that even contains the Olympics? And that's the one. That's the one I could think of. I don't think about the Olympics most of oh, the time. Oh, uh, I, Tonya, also has, uh, is about how the Olympics oh, ruined someone's life. I really want to see that movie. It's really good. Um, that movie always messes me up because I know a Tonya and it's spelled differently, so I always spell it wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, that movie looks really good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I can't, I, I, I don't care about the Olympics at all, so... <laughs> Seems bad. Um, Olympics seem bad. Yeah, they should stop yeah, having they seem, them. We should, yeah, we should just get rid of them. Probably. Um, they're terrible for basketball. I hate what they do to basketball. Do they even, I didn't even know they had basketball at the Olympics. I've never, I've not really. When I liked the Olympics, I'd watch like figure skating and like skiing and maybe swimming or gymnastics. That's about it. So, so the thing with basketball is that it's the one time that every. Um, uh, basketball journalists in the U.S. has to pretend that they know anything about like the Australian Basketball League or like yeah. I, the my question Euro would be League. like, do, do other countries even have basketball, and if so, why? Yes, um, the they're essentially just minor leagues in some way. Like there's Euro League that is very successful, but every player who is like good in Euro League just comes to the NBA. Um, except you, sometimes you get like guys who are good but like don't want to leave their home country. That's about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so yeah I hate what the Olympics does to basketball but that has nothing to do with what the question was yeah. well that's it then we're done everybody we gets got, to go home if you want to send emails podcast at normmapping.com we've got three movies left um, four uh, uh, I just closed the tab that would have this information Okay, let me let me go back. Let me go back. Let me go back. I've opened it. I'm scrolling. Okay, we've got we've One, got two, Wind three. Rises from up on or Tale of Pr- uh, sorry Wind Rises Tale of Prince Kaguya when Marnie was there. Um, we said we weren't going to do the Red Turtle probably. Um, we've got Eric and the Witch will be out by the time we're done, and we said we'd watch that documentary. So five movies. Right. Right. Okay. Um. Jackson's not going to be on the next episode, right? No, uh, it would take it would take a miracle, a miracle for this to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. If if Jackson is on next podcast, please know they moved mountains to be on this podcast. But it's not. There's no way in fucking hell it's going to happen. Jackson, we love you. You know. Um. Yeah. So next time we'll be back with the wind rises. Yeah, um, it'll be after the new year. I, you know, check our Discord yeah. if you want, or you know, one of our Twitters for when we put out a call for questions. You, just, just check and see like how depressed slash busy each one of us is in three weeks, and you'll know. Yeah. Like you'll figure it out. <laughs> I'll probably actually be feeling pretty good in three weeks. So I bet that I'm about ready to go. Uh. Anyway, where can people find you, Autumn? You find me on Twitter at autumnal underscore coffee. Uh, my main podcast going on right now is um, Newbie, which you are also on, which we recorded mere moments before this. Um, uh, it's apparently up right now, says Nora. Wow. On the, for, for patrons. It'll go up on um, Friday for non-patrons, but it's up right now for patrons. If people so. want to support you on Patreon, where would they do that? They would go to exportaud.io. You could also go to like exportaud.io slash exportaudio. You could go to exportaud.io slash hot singles. I should set up a separate feed for newbie just so people can find that easier, but it will still go in the export audio feed too. Anyway, mm. I'm rambling. Where can people find you? 
You can find me on Twitter at EM underscore being. You can find all of my podcasts at abnormalmapping.com. What should you listen to? We're coming up on our episode about Suikoden. Uh, please look forward to that. I'm going to finish that game this week, I think. If I, I think I have like two hours left probably. So I might do it tonight if I feel ambitious. Um, and uh, if you'd like to support uh, my podcast, you do that patreon.com slash abnormalmapping. You get Gundam. Everyone knows about Gundam. If you're listening to this, you don't know about Gundam. I don't. I don't understand how that happened. Honestly, I'll be real. <laughs> yeah, real I'm baffled. <laughs> <laughs> I would understand maybe someone like listening to this and not supporting the Patreon. Like yeah. I could imagine that. I cannot imagine the person who is not, not aware, aware of, of Great Gundam Project. Yeah, like <laughs> more people care about Great Gundam Project than care about me as a person. So you know, it's bigger than me. I can resent it a little bit if I want tonight as a treat. <laughs> Uh, every other time it's fine. <laughs> um, that's it. We're clearly punchy. I'm going to go have dinner. So thank you, uh, Autumn, Me for hosting too. this. Apologies for taking over hosting at the very end here, like I do sometimes. <laughs> um, and we'll be back in the new year. Happy New Year. 2021 has to be better, right? Uh, we're it all going to die saying shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, honestly, if a meteor hits and we're all dead. Oh, it's better than preferable. 2020, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that's even a podcast. Oh, 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 oh,